Hey everyone, I'm Joseph Mertz, the founder of Sterning Group, and welcome to our Higher Purpose podcast. Uh, Higher Purpose is all about value and practical takeaways for upskilling and personal and professional development. And our talk today is by Ben Nash. He's a financial advisor and the founder of Pivot Wealth. Uh, Ben's created a straight-to-the-point presentation around how you can get your money working for you um, and why it's something you really shouldn't put off. If you're joining us on iTunes, head to our website, sterning.com.au, and you'll be able to get a copy of the slides from the presentation on our blog. Enjoy. Done, everyone, for braving the rain. Uh, clearly, you know, there's a few empty seats here. I think this always happens this sort of weather, and people take the easy option. But uh, props to you guys for for coming along. Uh, as Joseph said, my name is Ben. I'm a financial advisor. My business, uh, Pivot Wealth, we're a money management company, and we we specialise in working with young professionals and helping them basically get their get their money sorted. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, connected with uh, with Emma actually uh, online, and then. Um, she introduced me to Joseph and we started chatting about some of the things that we're doing. And um, I know that these guys are committed to, you know, helping not only the um, staff, but the, you know, the, the sort of broader sort of network as well. So um, Joseph sort of jumped at the, uh, the opportunity to get me in and, and present to you. So great, great to be here with you guys. Um, tonight I'm talking about how to get your money sorted basically. And, and um, you know, what I want to do is, is take you through some of the key sort of principles that drive success with your money. Um, some of the, the, the three key areas that I've found that you need to absolutely need to get right um, to, to achieve any real level of success with your finances. And then we'll talk about some of the key mistakes that I see people make with their money so that you can get some insights on, on how to avoid them. So um, look, as we go through as well, Obviously, we've got, a, uh, we've got a pretty intimate group tonight, so uh, please feel free, jump in, ask me questions. Sam's already promised to, to ask at least 10, so, um, so do that. And if you know everyone needs to top up their wine or whatever, I would strongly encourage that because that just helps with more questions. So um, cool. So look, guys, firstly, uh, don't rush out and do anything crazy off the back of this presentation. I was never here. This never happened. Um, <laughs> You know, but this is, you know, we're talking about important things here. So I encourage all of you to, to seek personalized advice um, before, you, before you make any big decisions. Cool, so firstly, um, unfortunately, a bit of a myth that I see with, with people is that they, um, a lot of people get advice and opinions from, from you know, mates, family, friends, and, um, and generally the person that's giving you the, the advice or the information, they sort of, they swear, they swear by whatever it is that they're telling you and why it's the absolute best thing to do and you know, why you should definitely, why you should buy shares or you shouldn't buy shares or you should buy a property or whatever. Um, and people, people get caught up thinking that there's one sort of pathway that every person can follow to take them to, to success with their money. Um, there, there's no, but, but really, yeah, there are no good choices. There, there are, like what makes a choice good for you is based on you, know, you. so like where you're at now, what's important to you, how your situation's going to change over time. So 
Yeah, there's no, there's no one real pathway, but um, there are some things that you can do to figure out what makes a good choice for you. So that's what I, what I sort of, instead of me saying, you know, you should do, follow the, these three steps and you know, you'd be a millionaire. Um, what I wanna tell you is, is how you can figure out how to make good decisions for you and the key questions that you need to ask and answer to make sure that you get the, the results that you want when it comes to your money. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Cool, so look, firstly, um, like some of the common problems that we that we see, I know everyone's situation is different, but uh, there are some really common challenges when it comes to to your money. Um, the, the the three main ones that we see are information overload. It's like you know all the information is on uh, Google these days. It's all just a few keystrokes away, but it's sort of like drinking from the fire hose. You know, it's hard to know who to listen to. So many conflicting sort of messages and um, different points of view. So, and that, that causes, that causes a, a, a real problem. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that the more information we have, the less likely we are to, to make a decision. Um, and so, you, you, so that, that sort of is a, is a barrier for people. The second is that people really struggle to find the balance between living the way that they want and um, making the financial progress that they want as well, that, that balance of, of getting ahead. And the third is that everyone is just super, super time poor. And um, beyond that, I've found that people, they really don't wanna spend their, um, the precious spare time that they do have sort of spinning their wheels when it comes to their money and not actually getting, getting any results. So uh, what I say is that these three problems, they lead most people to become what I call stuck. Uh, now it's stuck, stuck means not, not always stuck doing nothing. Sometimes it's just stuck doing this. I've got a, like a, quite a wide range that I've got to do the eye contact with tonight, but that's all right, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so stuck not always doing nothing, but stuck doing the same thing that, you, you, that you've been doing in the past. And what that typically leads to is people missing opportunities to get better results from, from what they've got. So um, yeah, so, so basically well, these are the three main areas that, that we've got here that, that I was sort of alluding to before that I've found that you need to get right to be successful with money. And they're the three sort of areas that we're going uh, to cover off on tonight. We've got structure, strategy, and solutions. Now, the, the structure is how your money actually works. So how it works on a day-to-day -day basis, your money in, money out, and how you're actually managing it. So I, I don't like the word budget, but basically your, your budget and your banking. Um, the second is your strategy. So how, uh, is that for me? Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the second step is your strategy. So that's you know getting clear on what success looks like for you, what your goals and targets are, um, understanding the options that are available to you, and then breaking them down into a to a clear action plan. And then the third step, look, I was running out of S's by this time, but and obviously you can tell I'm a fan of alliteration, but uh, I'm talking about the investments and the the investment solutions, the product solutions, the things that you use to actually back up your strategy. So your structure is make it how to make it easy to save money. Uh, and how to, how to be clear on what it is that you've got to work with. Second is uh, the strategy is how to, how to make your savings work harder for you. And the third is how to, how to invest so that it doesn't all fall apart so that you get results and get that consistent progress over time. And that leads you to the fifth S, which is success. Um, so we're gonna dive a little deeper into, into those three areas tonight. But I, I have found that you know, if any one of the three is missing, uh, it's it's really difficult to to get any consistent results over time because you know if you're good at if you're good at saving 
and you've got good investments, but you've got no strategy, you're missing opportunities to get more out of what you've got. If you've got good at saving and you've got a good strategy, but you've got bad investments, you end up losing money, you suffer setbacks and mistakes. And a good strategy and, and good solutions, but without the ability to save and manage your money, it means that you get leakage and um, your, your plan can sort of fall apart. So yeah, does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Cool, so I'm gonna run through each of the three areas and, and tell you about some of the key sort of uh, issues and, and what you can do to, to sort of um, get, get them on track. So without a, good, um, uh, without a good structure in place for your money management, you end up stuck, and we see this a lot, stuck in this constant sort of juggle. You know, you get paid, money comes in, you, you shuffle it around to different bank accounts, um, pay off the credit card, and then you, and you get to the end of the month or the pay cycle and uh, it doesn't seem to be as much money left over as you were expecting. Um, you end up ultimately not saving enough, not saving as much as you want to be saving. Uh, and I, I see this a lot, that people feel guilty about how much they're spending and how much they're saving. They don't know, are they, you know, are they spending enough? Am I spending too much? Um, sometimes I see people that are really good at saving and they feel bad when they spend because they don't know if it's going to stop them, that spending's going to stop them from getting to their goals or um, they overspend and feel a bit guilty about that, which is probably not a bad thing, but um, this, this guilty spending uh, is, is a problem and it causes a lot of frustration for people. And the ultimate result is if you can't, uh, if you don't have a good structure in place, you, you, your progress is slow. Um, because when, especially when you're young and you're in the process of building your money, it's how much you're saving and, and, and spending and what um, is, is the main driver of the results that you get over time. So uh, yeah, oh yeah, and this is reflected in, in the, the average savings rate, which is less than 5% in, in Australia, which basically, uh, it, it gets a bit scary from here, but for the average 30 year old, you know, the retirement income is set to be around 30% of average income, um, which works out to be about $25,000 in, in today's dollars terms. Now, I don't know about you guys, but um, you know, for mo most of the people I talk to, that doesn't, doesn't sound like a comfortable st standard of living. <laughs> Uh, and you know, you might say I'm picking on 30 year olds, but the older you are, the worse the, the, worse the results are for the average Australian. So and the, like the, the younger guys are, are better than most other generations. So, uh, but yeah, so look, if you, if you get on top of your structure, everything can be really automated and easy. And I think that's super important. You know, everyone's time poor, as I mentioned before, you don't wanna be spending heaps of time crunching numbers in spreadsheets, using apps and tracking all of everything and shuffling money around. Um, it has to be easy or you won't stick to it. If something's too hard, you know, it's too hard. You, you just don't do it. Um, you end up, you know, keeping, keeping more of your income, which is clearly the goal. And you, if, when you get it right, you can actually create guilt-free spending. So it's crystal clear for you, you know, how much you've got to spend guilt-free and know that everything else is, is working and on track. And the ultimate result is you start to get this real traction. You get this, uh, this rapid progress with your finances as well. So um, to actually, to, to, to get a good structure in place, there are a few different steps. The first one is that you've got to be clear on what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So what money's coming in, what money's going out, where's it going? Is that good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm picking on you because you're the closest. Um, <laughs> so, so you need to know, um, yeah, what what you got to what you got to work with, um, where, yeah, where it's going, and 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 uh, what it is that you want to be spending, and what's left over. Really important. 
then you got to sort of look ahead as well and say, well, what have I got coming up? What's on the horizon? You know, what's um, maybe I've got a big trip planned next year that I need some extra cash for. Maybe I'm planning on um, career change, you know, through these awesome recruiters or, or uh, something else. But um, maybe it's time out of the workforce. Another thing that I see as well, people starting families, these sorts of things, you know, um, getting engaged, getting married, you need a lot of money for, the, for, for this stuff. So you've got to sort of plan for it as well. So you, so you don't want to, if you just look at the day to day, you can be caught short with these bigger ticket things, right? So understand the year on year results. Then um, actually segregating your different types of spending. Now I'm a big fan of uh, running multiple bank accounts. It's like the digital version of the sort of the tin can uh, types, type setup, but seven, that's good. Yeah, I had I had a client once, and and she had about fifteen different ones. It was like every from petrol, clothes, like all um, all these different ones. I thought it was a little bit excessive, but yeah, I've got more than I got more than seven bank accounts. We well, I think they all link together, so I don't see the point. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and so when we help people, we'll generally quarantine off the different types of expenses. So, you know, your bills, you know what your bills are. They're predictable, you know, you, you, they don't change too much. So you just need to make sure that they, you know, they, they're getting paid, right? So we have a separate account for all of your fixed spending and then you can automate your bills. You never have to think about your bills. It's a win, saves you time, stress, whatever. Just watch your Telstra bill because they, so they charge you extra. Um, <laughs> But then it, like we have a separate account for guilt for your day-to-day -day spending, the walking around sort of money, an account for your debt, a different account for your short-term savings. So your travel, the travel fund and, and the savings to spend. And that's separate to the savings, like your long-term savings and investments as well. Keep those, those five areas segregated and then you can just automate your payments through the, the different portions. Um, and that's actually the, I've jumped ahead, but um, automate all of the, the transfers. And basically all you have to do is look at your day-to-day -day account. You know exactly what you've got to spend. You're hitting your savings targets. You know that if you spend that, you can spend it guilt-free and, and everything else is, is working. So um, th this sort of stuff is powerful. We've got a, a um, yeah, that structure that I just explained. We use that with all of our clients and uh, our average savings rates, we track all this pretty closely, but our average savings rate is like 35% of income. Um, yeah, so yeah, it is. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's more than seven times the average. Um, and and we, then then we've done the numbers on what that actually means for it. Like, so for the average thirty-year-old, by the time they're sixty, that means having an extra three and a half million dollars if you invest the if you invest the money, right? So it doesn't happen straight away, but um, this the, using this structure, it sets the foundations for your money. And once you've got it in place, then as you, you get the pay rises, and I know we we're talking about that for, for this session, when you get pay rises, bonuses, extra income coming through, you actually capture that and you use it for something that you really value, that you're gonna get something out of instead of just absorbing it and, um, and, it, and it not getting put to good use. If anyone wants, um, I'm happy to share the slides later if anyone wants them as well. Save you, save you writing them all down. Um, just see Yang and she'll she'll get your details. And the podcast will be there too. And yes, yeah, we'll put a link in the in the in the podcast thing as well. Oh yeah, we're recording. Well, I wondered what this thing was actually. <laughs> uh, so. 
Yeah, so it's, su it's, super, it's super powerful ha having a good structure in place. It saves you a ton of time. Uh, you, you, know, you can basically automate most of your money management. You get this guilt-free spending and you, you end up getting, getting real results over time. Does anyone have any questions about uh, structure side of things, banking? Well, I'm reluctant to say it, but we use AMP. Um, so ING, ING are good as well, yeah, because when you have a, like a whole bunch of different bank accounts, you don't want to be paying fees on all of the accounts. Yeah. So ING are generally fee-free. Um, yeah, I don't worry about the interest too much because I think that the, the most important thing is the structure itself because if you've got a great structure that makes it easy for you to save, you. Your, your tendency to overspend is worth much much more than the 1%. You, you get 2.5% interest, which you pay tax on at 40% you know, plus or whatever. Um, so it's more about people get really caught up in trying to save, get the maximum interest. But really, I'd say to my clients, don't worry about it. That our, the A&P accounts that we use, we, they, get, they pay like 1.5% interest. And for our guys, I say like it's more important to have the system sort of working. So yeah, but also a good question that... Um, one of the things that I found is super powerful is separating your everyday money from all of your other money. So we always use two banks minimum. So you got your guilt-free spending, that's, that's your walking around money. So like I do my banking with CBA, my day-to-day, my -day, that's, that's the only account that I look in. Then I got everything else with AMP, it just does its thing. The only thing I do is just look in at my travel fund, see when I can go on my next holiday, yep. Can I ask, probably hard question, but what's sort of perhaps a reasonable or an average for that everyday sort of spend for an average person? Uh, yeah, look, I, so I do everything weekly. So I don't, I'm not a fan of monthly because it's really easy to spend money, as everyone knows. Um, so if you've got $2,000 in your account, you could spend it in a weekend. Um, but if you've got 500 and, and you know that there's 500 next week and the week after and the week after, it gets a bit easier with the with the portioning, so big fan of weekly. Look, our clients range between, I've got one client, she's an extreme saver, uh, but she spends like $150 a week, and that's like on all of her, that includes f all food and shopping as well. Um, yeah, yeah, she's, well, yeah, she doesn't take a wallet to work. That's her, that's her trick for saving money, because she knows that if she doesn't take a wallet to work that she, uh, that she can't, can't spend any money. But she just she just turned thirty and she's um, she's saved about two hundred and fifty k and her income is about seventy five thousand dollars. So, um, but look, I'm not, I wouldn't suggest that. I, I, like necessarily, that's not right for most people. But that would be about as low as well. That's definitely as low as it goes. And then all the way up to you know a thousand dollars a week, depending on on income. It's easy to spend, um, but it, it just depends. You know, I think. One of the one of the important parts is, and this is this process, is that you need to you need to prioritize what's most important. So your fixed costs are pretty straightforward, right? There's not too much flexibility. You should look at your fixed costs and say, well, like, what, um, which things do I value? Like, have things crept in that really don't bring me that much actual value or happiness? If that's the case, cut them out. Otherwise, your fixed costs are fixed. Your debt is probably pretty straightforward as well. You got your your travel budget or your short term savings or whatever. And then you're spending, and then the the savings can and can balance it out. You just need it's like a circular process to look at, lay out your ideal spending plan, like how much you'd ideally like to spend in all these different areas. Then look at how much you're saving. 
what you probably find is you're going backwards, then you have to go back. That's what most of our clients do. Like the first time they do it, the budget says, they put in all the things they want to do. The budget says, it's in the red, right? Um, I, it's a, it was the same for me when I did it. The first time I did the budget, I'm like, yeah, I'll go on this trip and then I'll do this and do that. And then, oh no, it's not possible, right? So then you've got to sort of circle back and say, well, okay, well, what are the most important things? I find that a lot of people end up spending, because it's so easy to spend unconsciously, like these days, I was having this, this conversation with Joseph before that, you know, they, they, companies make it really easy for you to spend your money with them. So like Uber and um, Uber Eats and like all these conveniences and stuff, and you just, you're just tapping buttons on your iPhone, not Joseph's phone, because, or he's got actual buttons, but they, they, don't, they don't really do anything. So he's just gone analog, um, but it does have a pretty good camera. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the people, you end up spending all this money on things that don't actually bring you that much value and happiness. You know, the, the, there's only three things. There's a guy called Michael Norton, would strongly encourage you to, to look him up. He's a professor out of Harvard. Um, he, all of his studies are on, um, on the spending behavior that drives happiness. And he's found there's only three things that you can spend money on that make you happy. The first is when you buy time. Um, so you, you pay, you spend money for things that create time in your life and give you more time for the things that you want. The, th the third is, uh, the, sorry, the second is experiences. So travel, um, you know, like, I don't know, um, experiences, right? You get that. And then the third is, is giving. So giving back to people because it makes you happy for, for, a, for a longer period of time. Michael Norton. 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 Yeah. Like, like the Edward Norton. Um, yeah, so it, like, it, it's but it's what happens is that you end up spending seventy five dollars a week on coffee, and then you go and then you go, oh, I don't have enough like as much money as I want in my travel budget, right? So it's like that circular process. Look at what you're saving. Are you happy with it? Circle back. What are the most important things? Choose the things that you prioritize that like that give you the that you think are the most valuable. Good money management is only good prioritization. That's the, that's the only thing it is. They call it financial advice. All I do is help people prioritize with their money, but do it from a really informed perspective so that they, they know that the numbers, are, the numbers are solid and they're not missing anything as well. So if the, if, the value, if the thing you value most is the coffee, cool, prioritize that. If it's travel, cool, you know, or if it's saving, or maybe it's, it's probably a combination, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Very good. Uh, any other questions about saving, banking? So, I remember when I first started getting into this at the first chat, um, on financial advice, pay yourself first. Yes. Kind of like that mentality of what you sell back to you, so what you do with Yeah. I was like, what does that even mean? I thought I'd get paid by working. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you're spending, you're not paying yourself first, so it's like that whole what you just mentioned. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so about like the question just for the podcast because Joseph's given me the look. Um, but yeah, about paying yourself first. And that I think if you set up the right structure and you automate everything, you're, you're sending the money to the right priorities. You're doing that first. But I think like what they're sort of saying is don't try and save, like you do a budget and say, I can save $1,000 a month or whatever the number is. And then you try and say, I'm going to wait until the end of the month. And when the $1,000 is just sitting there in my bank account waiting for me to save it, I'm going to move it over because that typically doesn't happen because yeah. you've, spent the, <laughs> you've spent the money, <laughs> right? We've all been there. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. Okay. So the yeah the, the second thing I want to go through is strategy. Um, and look, um, strat strategy is really the centerpiece, I think, of your your money management. You know, the, the strategy is what gives you confidence. It what it what's it's what makes sure that you're maximizing all the opportunities that are available to you, making the smartest decisions, clear on the results that you're going to get over time, and making it actually happen. Um, you need the structure in place to, so that you know what you've got to put into the strategy and so that once you've set the strategy that the strategy actually works um, but the strategy is, is super important and it's something that a lot of people don't uh, see so that, that well they don't they don't take the time to, to do so the first thing without a good strategy in place I see this a lot the people they've got money stuffed everywhere not actual money but like accounts here investments maybe super funds like all different bits and pieces and everything's just sort of maybe they're independently they're good decisions or good options but it's not sort of working together you end up missing opportunities because you're not clear on what's possible you're not clear on what you need to do to get the most out of what you've got and then uh, you don't have confidence and I think confidence is so important when it comes to money have that clarity and without a good strategy I find that people have always got that thought in the back of their mind that there's something they're missing something more that they should be doing um, and this is, this is, it seems crazy to me, but I see this all the time that people don't, they just do stuff with money, but they're not really clear on where, what the, the thing that they're doing is going to get them to. Like people don't take the time to look ahead and say, if I keep doing this thing that I'm doing right now, this is sort of a roundabout where I'm going to be in, in five years, three years, one year. Like people, people just don't do that for, for some reason, which, um, and it goes back to what we're talking about prioritizing that if you if you know what to where you where you're going to get to then you can make sure you're happy with that if you're not then you need to change something right and then um, yeah so anyway that's my soapbox thing look at look at where look at look ahead guys you know um, have a goal yeah have it but it's not it's not just have a goal it's understand what the where the numbers are taking you like understand where what you're doing right now where what sort of financial position that's going to put you in. I've got a model I'll share with you around that after. So yeah, look, when you get your strategy right, everything's sort of streamlined, everything's working together. You know you've got this cohesive sort of strategy in place. Uh, you can squeeze more out of what you've got. You know, there's a lot of different sort of facets to your money management these days. Things around tax, we pay a ton of tax in Australia, um, opportunities around that, things that you can be doing to, to drive better results with what you've already got. Um, and then the third is you get that you get that real confidence in in what you're doing because you know that your strategy is in place, you know that it's solid, you know that it's taken care of. And then that yeah, the ultimate result is that you've got this really clear sort of path to, that you, that you're happy with that's going to get you to a place that you want to be in, um, and you know exactly what you need to do to get there. Which I think this is like the I think one of the key things that uh, everybody should have with their with their money to drive that confidence. A peace of mind and, and um, you know money is the leading cause of stress uh, in Australia more than 50% of people 25 to 45 um, stressed about money not necessarily financial stress like you can't pay your bills but um, stress due, due to money so um, clarity is and that confidence is so so powerful so um, putting into action look this is sort of uh, sort of similar to the discussion we were having about the savings numbers as well but when you when you when you want to put a strategy in place, the first thing that you got to do is focus on what's important to you. What does success look like? Like, um, you know, if, if we're having this conversation again in three years' time, and 
for you to be blown away with what's happening, what, what, where are you at? What's changed? Um, then you've got to actually understand what's possible. So it's great to say like you, got, you want all of these things, um, but then you've got, to, you've got to be realistic as well, right? Um, but, and a big part of that is, is understanding your numbers. So knowing what the, what the, what the numbers are. You, you want to get to the, you know, the $2 million, well, I suppose $2 million gets you what, a two bedroom townhouse in Sydney. Maybe, maybe dream bigger, but you know, the dream home these days is, uh, is a little harder to, to get to. Um, so, but you've got, you've got to see what's realistically possible based on where you're at and what you can do. Understand the options, so see the different pathways to get there. What if you invest? What if you buy property? What if you don't buy property? What if you do something else? What if you tweak your savings? Um, what does that mean? What, what do the numbers look like? And then choose a thing that, give, that you're the most comfortable with, like that gives you the right, that balance that I spoke about before, the balance between the financial progress that you want and the peace of mind as well. You've got to be comfortable with your strategy. You know, you've got to, you don't want to be confident that you're not facing too much risk in what you're doing, that you're, um, yeah, that you, that, that you're not, that you understand it and that you, you've got that, that confidence, that comfort level as well. And then, yeah, and then you just want to break it down. So what is, like, what's the action plan? What are the things that I need to do? Where, how do I know if this thing is working or not? And that's where it sort of winds back to the structure as well to um, keep everything on track. Questions about strategy stuff generally? Sam? Yeah. 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 Move to Katoomba. Oh yeah, so yeah, so knowing what the yeah, no, making sure that you've got this. So the struck we were talking before about um, how to make sure that you're getting that, like able to look at numbers but do it with confidence to know that it's right. So a big part of that is you've got to make sure that your numbers are rock solid, and that's what I was talking about. Where I'm saying the strategy is the is like the centerpiece, but you need that you need to make sure that your structure is good to to get there, so that you're really clear on your. Basically, like I said, I don't like the word budget, but basically your budget, your short and medium term spending plan. If you're, if you're like rock solid on those numbers, then you can start to explore the options. Like, like because yeah, it's so hard. Like, especially with property, especially in Sydney, I'm seeing a lot of that with the people that we're working with. But there's also a lot of myths out there. Like you talk about getting advice off, off other people. Um, rent is dead money. Oh my God, if I hear that statement again, um, like I'll lose it because yeah, rent sort of is, if you pay rent and then you go and blow all the rest of your cash, then rent is dead money. But if you choose to pay rent instead of paying an, an, an enormous mortgage, and then you do something really smart with the money that you've saved by like the difference between the two, 
then that can really give you that traction over time as well. So it's about looking what that looks like. We, I think it's like a, like a, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's like a generational thing as well that I find that like, yeah. 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 Don't listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but you might be able to, and I'm like, you know, you might, you no, but you might be able to pay rent, save some extra money, and go buy an investment property somewhere else. Yeah. See so the other. Yeah. And then that's where like you can, uh, people, uh, the other thing that makes it difficult for people is that they think that they need to buy the house that they want to live in. Now, like there, I can't see an apartment from here, but you know, like a studio here would be um, 600 grand. Yeah, at least, at least. And that's like 30 squares and who wants to live in a, in a you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You touched on this before when you spoke about um, tax as well. What sort of your idea with salary sacrificing Yes. Yeah. So you can salary sacrificing is good because it, it saves you. So the question is like, should you salary sacrifice? Um, so yes, yeah, it's good um, because you save tax. Maybe to what extent? So you know, like obviously you've got money constraints within your budget. Yeah. And so should you be able to maximize that addition to superannuation now? You know, so. For the for the average for the average Australian, if you salary sacrifice about forty dollars a day, so that's an after tax cost for the people on the average tax rate, based on like a seventy five thousand dollar income. That's the average Aussie. Then you will increase your retirement income from roughly twenty six percent of the average income to more than fifty two or fifty four percent. It's more than doubles, right? It's more than an extra like million dollars a year in today's dollars terms. Twenty three dollars a day after tax, the cost. No, it's about $40 before. So you tell your employer put in $40 a day, it costs you about $23 a day and your pay packet going down. Um, yeah, and it's an extra million dollars in today's dollars to like, so $50,000 a year onto your income in retirement. I just I just did this for, um, what's that? Yeah. That's seven days. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. So it's just a day, it's a daily, yeah, it's a daily rate, correct. That's from age 30, yeah. So it's like, the, as I said, it's less than the, the average, for the average Aussie will retire on, it's like 26% of income, but yeah, that, that contributing an extra, oh, I'm testing my memory now, because I wrote, I wrote this, I've, I've been writing book and it's finished now, but I did all the numbers for that stuff, so I'm just rattling it off, but I do remember the $23 a, a day, but yeah, that's, that's from age 30. So if you accelerate it more, because the compounding, we were talking about this before, and I've got an example to show you, but compounding interest, it, it grows exponentially, right, Sam? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, it's like, I, I compare it to the Correct. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't use it. It's too corny. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so true. And when I saw like, you show an example here, 
Yeah, yeah. Usually, like, change my whole mindset in a second. Yeah. Basically, pay. I'm not expert. But yeah, it's all at the back end. You see the most growth at the end, and I do have a good example to show. The only. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that you tell the employer to put in 40 um, and then it costs you 30, uh, 23 after tax, like in your after tax pay packet. Yeah. But look, that like that, so that it's good to, to get that consistent progress over time. But the other thing is you've got to balance it against your personal goals as well. That's the other thing. Like putting money into super is great, but it's trapped in super effectively, you know, um, until you're 60 under the current rules if they don't change them. Um, so you've got to find that, yeah, balance between get, you know, saving, you might have other goals, buying property, that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Plus Medicare. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that balance. And that's sort of like where the strategy piece comes in as well, that you um, that you want to, you, you need to look at it and say, well, okay, well, I might have these other goals. Can I do them and still afford my $23 a day? Does that work? Because then, uh, it won't, and then it's, again, it's just priorities as well. All right. So, oh, this is the, this is actually the process. So, yeah, so this, so you can see it in action. And this, I was showing Joseph this earlier, but this is, this is the process that we use, but anyone can use this to, to plan with their money. So the first is, is around focusing on what's important to you, what success looks like. Second is understanding all of your inputs, making sure they're rock solid. So that's looking at the day-to-day -day stuff. What's your savings? What investments have you got? What's a super farm? What's going on there? Um, and then the goal setting. So what, what, it's, what are the things that you want to explore? Look at, in between two and three, we look at like the numbers. So what, are the, what do these scenarios look like that you want to explore? Number three is explore those scenarios and, and choose the one that you're most comfortable with. Put it together into an action plan. Number four, set it up and, and automate as much as possible so that, so that you've got that track to run on. Then make sure that you actually, you're executing it over time, that, you, that, it's, that it's working and, you, and you, you, you get on track. Yeah? Cool, so the, the, third, the third of those three key areas that we look at is your in, uh, investment solutions, investment and product solutions that back up your strategy because if, when, you don't, when, you don't have, when, it, when you're not good on your solutions, you, you have this real fear around investing. I see this so much that it's the fear of the unknown, super common as well, like fear is, is healthy because it stops you from doing stu stupid things. Um, so people end up sitting on the sidelines because they don't know, they, they're, they're scared, they don't understand it, so they do nothing. Um, spend a lot of time as well when people do invest and especially they're investing in different investments, they're constantly looking like, what do I invest in? Is what I've invested right? What do I do next um, as well? And then I see this like, you know, you, you're chatting to mates at a dinner party and um, they tell you about this great investment idea that what were we talking about, Rams, the Rams home loans before. Um, and, and Bitcoin is a typical example of this, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, a few, few people avoiding eye contact on that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Got a lo long way to come back. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you, so you see, yeah, you get, you get distracted, you get off track, you end up doing silly things. Um, and I see, the other thing I see a lot is that people are trying to, you try to shoot the lights out with every investment. We were having this conversation before as well that uh, it's natural that you want it, you just want more. And people, like you compare what you've got with like, um, you, well, I might use Bitcoin, but like a Facebook or a Google where they've got this crazy growth and then you think that that's what you should, that's what you need. Um, so that ultimately leads to costly action and costly inaction. So you don't act when you you don't act when you should. You, you act when you when you probably shouldn't. But if you get that, if you get you know good um, solutions in place, you, you get that real confidence to take action. Uh, everything can be really simple and automated. Um, so you don't have to use heaps of your time or, or energy to to manage things. Um, and when you when you got a good uh, good solutions in place, you can maintain that real focus so that you, uh, you're, you know, you're avoiding the distractions, you're clearing exactly what you're doing and when you don't get, uh, you know, when someone tells you that you should buy this mythical like internet money that you should, you can avoid doing that. Uh, and then, so yeah, so the, the ultimate result of that is uh, that you, you, take, you take action, but it's smart action. So, you know, acting when you, when you should and, and avoiding inaction when, um, when you should when you should be moving forward. So, uh, the first thing that you need to do to, to get on top of your your investments is to to actually understand investments, how it works. Like, what are the different types? Like, what are the risks? Where does the actual risk come from? Right. If you if you're not invested before, I work with a lot of people that haven't don't have a ton of experience with with investing in markets and the different ways to invest. Um, Choose your investment strategy. And what I'm talking about here is really um, investing actively versus passively. I don't know if um, like basically the like a, an, a passive investment is a, an investment that tracks the actual market. So like you've watched the news at night and they say the ASX has gone up by 1%. That's the, that's the market has gone up by 1%. There are funds that just track the actual, they passively track the market. We use a lot of these sorts of investments. Um, with, with clients because you, one thing that you know that the market always does what the market always does, right? The market goes up, sometimes it goes down over the long term, it, it, goes, it goes up, right? The only way that the market can lose is if every company in the market goes bust, right? So the Australian share market, the, like funds that track the Australian share market could go to zero if every single company in Australia went bust at the same time. If that happens, uh, we got bigger problems than your investment portfolio <laughs> declining in value, right? So that's got a passive investment like your index funds is, a, is another name for it as well. We're, we're heavy on uh, index investing um, with, with a couple of exceptions around like ethical investments and, and different things like that. So um, that's passive. The, the alternative is active investing and that's where you're actively trying to basically do better than the market. Um, and a lot of people, this is where you've got some Gordon Gecko type character in a Ferrari. He's, he's trying to sort of read the future in tea leaves and, and figuring yeah. out which of the which companies are going to shoot the lights out or um, you know do the best over time. Now uh, the research shows that over the over the lo the medium to long term that these sorts of investment funds they typically fail to outperform um, the market itself, and part of that is because you've got to pay all the extra expenses that are involved with running those funds. So. 
that choosing between whether you wanna follow an active investment approach or a passive investment approach is a key question I think you need to ask yourself. And it's also one of the things that I talk about that you should understand when, you talk, when, you, when you're trying to build your knowledge around investing. Can I ask another question there? Of course. Based on Yes. Um, yeah. So, questions: What's the what's the right? What's the average investment yeah, what's to the, chase? What's a more sustainable growth rate that you want to Yep. So the mar so the market average return is like eight point seven percent over the last sort of twenty or so years. So it depends on where you're at in the cycle, um, but that's the market now. Yeah. So if you if you you probably you need an active fund to do better than that, but I've got a, I've got an interesting example to show it, show you after this. I think it's after this um, that that shows the the growth rate on that over time. And how do you feel about um, I forget the acronym, but it's the funds that diversify as preferred ETFs. Yeah, yeah, ETFs are exchange traded funds, so they're the same. So you can have active. ETFs, exchange traded funds, or passive ETFs as well. They're fine. Um, we tend to use managed funds over direct shares or ETFs, um, mainly because our, most of our clients are investing regularly. And when you're doing that, you avoid the costs of the brokerage for ETF, because an ETF is like a share. So you buy it on like a Comsec or something. So yeah, they're okay though. They're not, nothing wrong with them apart from that they can be a little bit more expensive purely because of the brokerage, the setup as well yeah oh yeah so the third thing you need to do is actually just get started right because I see a lot of people that just sit on the sidelines for ages just delay 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 uh, so get started and then just be consistent you can start small and just be have that consistency over time just keep doing the you know following the strategy that you've set set for yourself so oh yeah this is so this is my example right so basically there's I'm going to show you a slide in a second with a lot of numbers on it right but don't don't freak out um, it's, it's, it's basically, it shows that starting with the power of investing, starting with $0 and then uh, investing $10 a day, every day, seven days a week, for whoever asked that question before. So seven days, $70 a week, $10 a day, investing in the share market average. So, and this is like a fund that tracks the share market, the Australian share market I've used. So basically first 10 years, you, so, you, so you're investing $10 a day, $3,650 a year. I haven't accounted for leap years here. I've just realized that actually. Um, but you know, let's, let's say there's no leap years. We've got 30, $36,500 over 10 years. So that's $3,650 a year, 10 years, $36,500. But then you're, you're getting the investment plus a little bit of growth and you see that, can everyone say this okay? Yeah. yeah. So, and then the, the extra growth that you've got on your 36,000 is the, is 57, it's grown to a total of 57,000, right? So the growth isn't 57, you've got the 36 that you put in plus, you know, another 20, 20 odd thousand dollars uh, from that growth. Then I've got, you know, um, the next 10 years, uh, ten, yeah, the next 10 years, so 20 years total where you've got now two lots of 36,500, so 73,000, but you've got a bit, a bit of acceleration in that growth. So it's now, the total is now worth $195,000. 
Um, then you got 30 years. Again, another, you're only putting in another 36,500. Is everyone with me with this? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so another 36,000 over the years, 20 to 30, so 109,000, but you've now, you're starting to get that real acceleration. You've got half a million dollars. Uh, and then if you can keep it going for 40 years, 146,000 in total, but it's grown to 1.3 million, right? So it's almost 10 times. So this is where, and you see that like, at the start, it's slow, but then after this, the second 10 years, you've more than, you've almost sort of tripled your investment. The third, the, after the third group of 10 years, we're like five times, and we're almost 10x on the, um, on the last 10 years. And that shows that, that power of money momentum. Now, I've got an alternative strategy here. The numbers are the same, but um, what it shows you is that instead of getting started today and investing your $10 a day and getting that, uh, that return over time is that you, you sit on your hands for 10 years, procrastinate and do nothing. Um, so the first 10 years you invest nothing, then uh, the next 10 years, then you get started, you same three, uh, $10 a day, 36,500. Um, and you see the difference in the returns at the back end. You can compare them at every point, right? The numbers are the same. So after 10, after 10 years, uh, uh, sorry, after the first 10 years of actually getting started, you're like $150,000 behind if you would have got started sooner. The next 10 years, you're like two and a half times behind. And then you're, you know, half a million dollars compared to 1.3 million. Huge difference in the, in the end outcomes, right? Does that, does that make sense? So this is investing in the market average. And this is the thing that people try and chase, you talk about chasing returns in active funds. Why bother? If you can get this with $10 a day, like why do you need more? You don't need Bitcoin. You don't need to chase the chase um, shooting the lights out. I'm talking about $10 a day here, right? Joseph bought me a coffee down the street the other day. I think it was $5.50 or something. Like that's, you know, that's less than, less than two, two cups of coffee. Um, like anyone can find $10 a day. You could have been a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Exchange traded fund. So it's basically an ETF is a managed fund that's traded on the stock exchange. They just parcel it together into a into a share. There are index funds. So index is like a category. So you can get like an Australian index fund or a global index. Yeah. Yeah, diversified ones as well. So there are a lot of good ones. There are a lot of BlackRock. BlackRock is the biggest fund manager in the world, and then Vanguard is the second biggest fund manager. So they can do it, but you can also do it through like you know, a what used to be called Acons, where they've crazily changed their name to Raise. Um, so you can get start with zero dollars, and they invest in like these um, index type funds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I set that up about, just maybe probably about a year ago. Yep. And all I did was um, literally just credit, my credit cards and you know, yeah. accounts and stuff like that. Just link them to this, to this what was April thing. Yeah. But it's literally, if you spend 595 on coffee, yep. just add the extra five cents up. Yep. And then until it gets to like $5 or whatever, it pushes it into the accounts. You never notice it. Mm. You can set it so that you've got a, a $10 transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't even think about it. Like, 
about it. Mm. That's like three and a half grand in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. through incidental spending that I didn't even think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they promote that thing. Um, as well, for accounts. Who? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's you don't notice it. I think though that with Rays or Acorns, the, the good thing is that you can actually invest like five dollars a day or ten dollars a day, like this example is, <clears throat> and you hardly notice it. Like if you're getting money in your account each, each out of your account each day, it's just like normal sort of spending. So, um, yeah. So as I say, ten dollars a day. If you if you put twenty dollars a day, the results are double. You know, if you can sort of, um, you know, go push hard and, and do $100 a day, I know that's a lot of money, right? That's $700 a week, but that would get you $2 million in 20 years, $5 million in 30 years. Like, um, it's it builds serious momentum. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can see the numbers. You don't have to invest crazy to, to make crazy money. Ten, well, it's just 10 times, so 13 million. So it's ten because it's ten dollars a day. So if you did a hundred dollars a day, it's just added zero to the end of all of those numbers. Yeah, yeah. So it would be like five, five, half a million dollars in in ten years. Uh, beg your pardon. We use Vanguard. Yeah. So, but it just depends on which one that which one that, that they use. But they've got one where it invests in all different um, Australia and international and stuff as well, like a growth growth one, but all index, all indices, like all global ones as well. But they're, no, so Vanguard, if you go, you need to use like an investment account to use that. So um, yeah, cause if you go direct to Vanguard, you need, it's like half a million dollar minimum investment. So you, you, but you can use like what's called an investment platform and you can just invest, like my clients can start with 10 grand and they just invest regularly over time. You could, no, no, you go. Yeah, exchange traded funds through Comsec. Yeah, so there are there are a bunch of options. The most important thing with your investments is not the investments themselves, although you need your investments to be good, right? That's a that's a that's, I'm assuming that's a given. But the important thing is having the right strategy. So knowing how much you should invest, when you should invest, and making sure that it's fitting with the other things that you want to do. So. Um, the most, the most important thing in your investments is your timeline because you only ever lose money on your investments when you sell. So you need to make sure that you put yourself in a position where you're never forced to sell an investment at a time that you don't want to. Because if you can do that, you always win. What did you say? You only ever lose money on what? You can only ever lose money on a good investment when you sell it. Yeah. So because it, because a good investment over the right timeline will eventually go up. It's definitely going to go down. This goes down. like. In um, in two thousand and seven, like the, the this went like the Australian share market went down by fifty yeah. percent. Yeah, but if you so if you were forced to sell at that time, you would have lost fifty percent. But if you would have ha you know you can wait longer, then you then you make your money back and make more as well. So timeline all important. Uh, cool. So any other questions on investments before we move on? Just the property kind of where it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird time with the investment market. So the question was what the outlook on the market. Thanks to our podcast <laughs> listeners here as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, I think it's a weird time in markets at the moment because um, the, you know, the property market's high. So 
so the you know the RBA are concerned about that, um, but they're also people are under pressure. Unemployment's high, so they're scared to lift interest rates too fast. Spending is low, so they shouldn't need to lift interest rates because inflation is low. Then you've got like Europe's recovering, but their interest rates are low. America as well. So it's like there's it's not like a normally normally in the economic cycle you go oh well we're on the peak and like you know rates are rates are low and we're spending too much money so they're going to put the rates up and then we'll spend less money and then it's going to go down but at the moment it's like conflicting all the different things so it's hard to it's hard to say i'd say there's probably a little bit of risk but there's also a lot of opportunity as well yeah i think that the property market i personally and i'm no property guru but i can't see the property market going anywhere in especially in sydney for the next sort of three years or so um, just staying fairly flat I, I i can't see i can't see it ticking up i see a lot of people and they're like stressed out trying to like push 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 to buy a property but i don't think that that i don't think that will happen i think that maybe there's a bit of risk there as well especially in the more in the outer suburbs with really high mortgage rates and then interest rates potentially going up and this change to from principal uh, from interest only loans to principal and interest it's yeah, it's getting hard. Like I've got, I'm not a mortgage broker, but um, a lot of my clients look to you know property factors into their strategy at some point. And I work with a with a mortgage with a mortgage broker really closely. He he looks after a lot, like pretty much all of my clients. And we look at affordability. And these guys can't afford property. And I'm thinking like if they can't afford property, I don't know who can afford like who could, how how are these people like um, out out of the city? How are the with huge mortgages like? Um, how are they doing it? So I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Cool. All right. Well, I'll push on in the interest of time. Um, the, the next section I'm going to talk about is, is the, the common mistakes that I see um, and talk about how you can avoid them as well. The first one, this is probably one of the biggest ones, is money something that it is really important, but it, uh, it's never really urgent until you end up in crisis. And if you end up in crisis, it's uh, you know much. It's almost impossible to, to to get out, or like it's impossible to get to the point that you would have been if you hadn't get there. So super common people they caught, they get caught up in the day to day and the emails and the you know different bits and pieces, and they you know money gets pushed on the back burner. They don't get the results that they could. Um, the second is not educating yourself, and that causes people to sort of um, be afraid of taking action to do the wrong thing to make bad decisions as well. So it's important to build your education and part of that i think is um you've got to be focused in your knowledge i think it's really hard for I, like clearly i'm a little biased because i'm a financial advisor but i think it's really difficult for most people to do it on their own um part of that is because there's so much information out there that you i, I found that one of the most important things when you're setting up a strategy is to be really focused with your knowledge so understand the things that you need to know now and the things that are coming up because otherwise if you try to learn everything at once like i've you know, studied formally for, for years, I've, and then on the job for a period of time, and it's like, um, you can't know everything, you know, if, 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 if someone, that, especially without a financial background, you're trying to learn everything at once, ends up um, being difficult and nothing sort of sinks in. So, uh, focus knowledge, really important. Not looking ahead, I won't go into this too much because we were talk, talking about it before, but what I mean is not looking at how your situation's going to change over time. Uh, unconscious spending, we also spoke about, so, um, spending without thinking and without thinking about the real value that you're getting out of your spending too. I see that as a major problem. Um, waiting for the right time to get on top of your money. I see this and people are like, oh, I know I need to do something, like get, get my money sorted out, but I'm just gonna wait for that. You know, when I get that pay rise or then this thing happens or I build my savings to this point or 
um, something, but they end up doing nothing. It goes on for years, and then you you just um, you know wasted opportunity. Going alone, I spoke about before. I think it's you know money management so complex. Um, it's really I think it's really difficult for most people to do it on their own. Uh, and the third one, and I sort of touched on this as well, but um, getting the, the wrong advice. So this is the wrong advice from uh, from friends, uh, family, people that don't know, that don't don't understand you know the complexities in your situation. Also, the wrong professional advice as well. I see this a lot with you know. Um, there's a lot of examples of poor advice. If anyone follows the news, they're probably uh, seeing a few of them. We were chatting to Paul about this before as well. Um, but like you know, wrong advice around property. Um, wrong advice around, uh, you know, uh, from a financial advisor as well. Like I was talking to these clients the other day that they, young couple, they were, they were, you know, pretty good savers. They had decent incomes, young family as well. They saw this financial advice company and they went through this whole process and the process sounded really good. They had like eight meetings or something. They did all this education stuff. And then at the end of the process, they got given their financial plan and it was like buy an off the plan property in Brisbane. Um, and then and then put a hundred grand of your savings into your super, so you could buy another off the plan property in Brisbane. And but it was from that like buy it with their mate, who and then we were getting this like thirty thousand dollar commission on each of the the properties. And thankfully they didn't act on the plan. But these guys paid good money, like they paid like I think it was like eight thousand dollars or something they paid for their financial plan. And then they got to the end and they like they had to come and then see me because they were they rightly they were scared. Of, something's wrong I'm like yeah definitely um, definitely something's wrong because the, like the prison property market saturated so many apartments and stuff already that why would you do yeah yeah well it's 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 an yeah it's an overlap like I don't mind Brisbane as a uh, as a place to buy but why not buy a four-bedroom house on like a, a thousand square meter block that you can get five kilometers from the city for still like six hundred thousand instead of buying a six hundred thousand dollar unit next to the God knows how many other six hundred thousand dollar units um, that are there? Yeah, well, they've dropped. They're, they're hard to rent as well in Brisbane because there's so so many um, ones. The old apartments are really hard to rent. Uh, that's what my, lucky my client, my my extreme saver client, she had a, a unit there, got out at the right time because they, people can't rent those places. Everyone everyone that lives there are getting they're negotiating reductions in their rent because there's so much stock on the market. So that's an example of, of, of broken advice, and I see it a lot with um, like insurances as well, like income insurance. So what, you know, most, most insurance, like 98% of in, uh, financial advisors that do insurance advice in Australia, they work on like a commission basis. They say to you, oh, you don't pay us a fee because we get paid a commission on the product that, um, that, you, that you buy. Now, and they say that the commission is there anyway, which it is, but like we work with clients on a fee only basis. We charge, um, you know, like $1,500 to do insurance advice as a, as a one-off fee, but when we do that, we strip out the commission, so it's a third cheaper for um, the the person every year forever. So they they normally make their money back in the first year, and then every year better off. Every year afterwards, they're they're better off. So you, I think it's important if you're going. I think most people need to get advice at some point, um, but if you're going to get it, make sure you're getting it from the right source. That conflict is managed. That um, you know that they've got a solid process. That they're going to give you the the right outcomes and that you're paying enough to get looked after. If someone tells you they're gonna build your financial plan for $500, you should be concerned because there's no way that how long are they gonna spend with you? You know, They're not gonna take you through the things that you need to do. So um, if you're gonna get advice, 
then make sure that you, you're asking those questions like how do these things work? How do they get paid? Do it before you get too far down the process. Now, like these guys that I was telling the story about with the properties, they could have avoided that if they would have said, they could have avoided that if they did a bit of research because the first thing that came up when I Googled it was like an ASIC warning to the, to the company about um, misleading advertising about self-managed super funds and off-plan properties. But um, they, like, they've got property divisions. They could, have, they could have asked the question how they get paid at the start, what are the different sources? And then they would have said, oh, well, yeah, well, actually we've got all these arms and we, they're all sort of aligned. Um, also look at like who owns the company or how they're licensed as well. It's a big thing. We're seeing all these problems with the Royal Commission. Um, you know, most of those come from the, the um, companies that are licensed by the big four banks or AMP, which is more than 75% of advisors. So ask them that question at the front end, who's the ultimate owner? So you make sure that you, at least you're aware, like it might be a good advisor, but you should be aware of the potential for conflict so that you can understand how they might impact your advice and keep that in mind when you're making your decisions as well. Cool, so um, any questions about mistakes generally? As well, no. Um, I have a question. The other slide at the um, about the timing. So, is it true that it's like um, you go back? So, it's not like when you make a decision, I want to invest. Some people try to time the market, right? Like, yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're sitting holding houses, like you get like a you're an article where it's going to crash or yeah. Should you be waiting for that moment, or should you should you you know waiting for that? Are just wasting your time, energy, stress? Yes. Uh, yeah, so the question is, to, uh, should you wait for the market to crash or try and time the market? And yeah, I suppose that is a form of active investing if you're, if you're there. But I, you know,